Salutation, dear listener. This podcast episode may contain themes that you find uncomfortable to discuss. So if you're easily offended, please turn off now. No complaints from here. We are entirely against censor and silence on what is an absolutely vital discussion to have. Yours, the Politibabble Censorship Officer. P.S. If you disagree with anything and want to come and have a chat, do get in touch and we'd be gladdened to hear from you. In the meantime, tally-ho and enjoy the episode. And welcome to this week's episode of Politibabble. We're joined by a very special guest, uh, that is uh, Mitzi danielson Caslick. Hello, Mitzi. Welcome back to the podcast. And of course, your favourite co-host, uh, Oliver Sykes and Archibald Elliott. Indeed, indeed. Um, so, what are we going to be uh, talking about this week? Well, we're talking about a whole host of things, mainly relating to gender issues. Obviously, Mitzi contacted me after our last episode on this subject uh, with Elise Dow- Dowling in... When was it? Must be uh, May, about, May, about, about May time, May I think. time. Yeah. But Mitzi and I were through exams, so we thought best to save it till afterwards. Uh, and obviously, we like to give balance on this programme with Mitzi with a different set of uh, views as it will become evidence. And I think... You may, well, may, you may have changed your cake decision from last time. So as we do ask all our podcast guests, even the returning ones, if you were now a cake, refreshed after many, about a year and a bit, if you were cake, what cake would you be? I would still be red velvet because that was my wedding cake. There we are. I think we, Mitzi remains consistent throughout. Interesting. So, Yes, it may seem minor, this subject we discussed, considering the major issues that uh, play in the world now. But as we discussed last week in the issue of creeping normality, all these little things all add up. I won't use the Tesco's uh, catch line here because I fear we may be uh, in, at risk of copyright infringement. But I think every little issue surely does count here. I'm sure you'd probably agree. Yes. <laughs> there we are. Well, without any further ado, I think it's best to get... On to the podcast, unless you have anything to add, Oliver. No, no, I don't. No, I'm, I, I'm all, all ears, as they say. Yeah. So, Mitzi, you wanted to uh, talk to us, I think, about women's safety issues affected by the larger, ongoing push for trans rights um, movements, which have come in in recent years. Yeah. So, <clears throat> to me, the issues around women's safety are really impacted by trans rights. I think the idea that sort of trans rights don't affect anybody else's rights is absolutely false because sort of as sort of a young woman growing up in this era if I were to you know anything from a sporting life I'm not interested in sports but anything from a sporting life to you know the kind of protections I'd be given should I be raped so any, anything in that in that region is absolutely impacted by growing trans rights just to say you know I'm absolutely for people being allowed to transition I think that it's your right to do that. If you choose to do that, fine. However, I am concerned about how deciding that people that at one point at least are biologically male are now completely biologically female has great impacts on my rights as a biological female. Could you uh, ravish us with any examples on, on that issue? Yeah, so um, if, for example, um, I was a Muslim woman uh, and I decided that I would like to see a, di- a gynecologist because I've got an issue, um, I could be sent to a place where I couldn't rely that I'd see a woman. Um, and I think that that would make me very, very unlikely to try and access help. 
So are we being restricted on what? what but it doesn't matter necessarily what for you as a person here, because we're talking mainly about issues relating here, and you said your rights have been directly affected. Are there any issues of that? I mean, to me personally, not yet. But, you know, I, I, I know people that have been to prison, um, women that have been to prison, and it, the fact that, you know, if one day, it may, maybe I'll go to prison for something, um, and the idea that I could be put in a cell with someone who at one point was biologically male is quite concerning. Um, from the perspective that, I know this is quite a dubious thing to say, but men are naturally stronger. Hmm. To have someone who's that much stronger than you in such a confined space. You know, like, in my life now, if I didn't know a man very well, I wouldn't go and lock myself in the toilet with him. You know? <laughs> but likewise, I, I think that even if someone is, is a criminal, they have the right to feel, to feel safe in the fact that they won't be sort of mortifyingly attacked by, by a man. No, sorry, someone who at one point was male. Yes, no, no I, I, see, I sympathise with your, your point of view here. It is generally quite a difficult set of circumstances, especially within prison populations. Uh, mainly the, the points raised are that the denial of prisons to recognise the gender identity of, to play devil's advocate here, obviously, to recognise the gender identity of trans people, as in a tra if the, ascribing to the belief that a trans woman is a woman or a trans man is a man, that's the belief they ascribe to, they would, would generally get the argument that it could lead to suicide. What would you say to that? I totally sympathise with that. I can completely see why. I mean, I, I can't comment on the validity of the experience of I'm in a female body and I'd like to be male. I can't, I can't comment on that. What I can say is absolutely, I think that in normal society, if you've decided that for whatever reason um, you're a different gender to the one you're assigned at birth, I'd say in general society, people ought to respect that. If people don't, that's unfortunate, but people ought to respect that. However, I think that when it comes to, you know, I'm not even suggesting that, that trans women aren't women. I'm simply suggesting that well, we appear to have some technical difficulties in the recording here, so I'm not exactly sure what Mitsu is saying, but I'm sure it's something on great note on the differences between women and trans women. It would really impact on my safety. Interesting. Uh, well, I, I would. I, I counsel. I counsel my own point actually, because I, I like. I like. I like debating with myself. If you haven't guessed, in my own head, with many different points all flying. Um, but it's actually with. If you look at the statistics, this is from. I think it's taken from early February 2022. But in the time since 2013, there have been uh, 800, 782 suicides of men who are not transgender, and 32 of women over the same time, compared to six suicides in the male estate since 2013. So it's actually maybe more a key issue within prison itself, as I'm sure we'll come on to discuss, not necessarily that of transgender uh, issues. So I think that's the main, the main narrative I get back is denying them access to, for example, trans women in women's prison leads to suicide. I think it's quite easily countered because we don't naturally know the reasons which drives people to suicide. And you look at the prison population, the proportions lots of people commit suicide in prison because of generally the incarceration aspects. So just, just to add to that, um, in 2016, 93% of the British pr prison population had severe mental health issues. If we come to probably a more uh, contentious issue, not necessarily prisons, because I think pr prisons are always... We'll come back to prisons and abolition, but I'm sure we could stay on those 
for, for many, many hours um, in the podcast. We don't have many, many hours. But I think if we come to the main issue, which you were speaking to me about before the podcast, women's refuges. To me, I can see that something that seems a little bit closer to my life um, is the idea that at some point in my next how many years, um, I could be raped or sexually assaulted. I think that that's quite a real concern. Um, and I say that in that situation, if I'd been sort of the victim of such a violent attack and I was to go to uh, a women's crisis centre, mm -hmm. I'd like to know that when I'm sleeping there, the only people around are women. Um, and I say that's absolutely a right I have. And I'd say that for female rape victims, if you can't do that, what can you do? If you can't say, yeah, OK, until we know where the, the man is who did that, you, you can't sleep in a space when we know you're going to be safe. I, I think that that's really quite disturbing. I think that's a major oversight on women's rights. But if I take, for example, the position of a pressure group called Gallup, I'm not sure if you've come across Gallup before. Anyway, they're, 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 they're a pressure group which released a statement in regards to, I'm sure you've seen the women, Women's Aid statement put out about transgender inclusion in services. Yes, they put out a um, response to that, kind of saying that trans women have always been part of the movement to support women and girls who are victims of domestic abuse. Uh, they volunteered to work to create those services. Some of them have been trans women. And they say that the position that uh, women aid, women's aid have taken is inaccurately conflating trans women with perpetrators of abuse. Uh, and violence and they say they fail to recognize or acknowledge the realities of abuse and violence faced by trans and non-binary people in the UK and how those victims are left in the wake of that abuse what would you say to that that there's a danger of almost um no, narrative that trans women are the danger here I, I can totally see hmm. why sort of my argument could could lead down there I'm not trying to address that I'm not trying to stress either that all men are perpetrators of violence or abuse. What I'm saying is, in the world, there's a percentage of people that perpetrate violence and abuse. The fact that some of those are trans women, and that those trans women, because at one point they're biologically men, um, tend to have the upper hand if they're fighting someone like me, I'm about five foot, um, and that if I was attacked, I'd rather be in a space where I'm allowed be separate from that. I'm not saying that trans women shouldn't be allowed in a similar or even arguably almost the same space, i.e. if we have a sense of people that have, you know, been sexually assaulted. If we say, right, so this is this is the main sleeping area. Um, if you would like to make sure you're in there it's completely biological. So you'd be so so, so would you be fine with, for example, a trans man sleeping there? Because they're biologically female. No, no. What I'm saying is, so I think that in an area like that, you could have somebody who's a trans, a trans female, somebody who's become female. No, but I'm, I talk about someone. You, you mentioned their biological single-sex faces. So if we if we talk about biologically female, we could also therefore include trans men. Well, no, we couldn't because they've got penises. No, no, no. They've they've transitioned from being female to being male. So yeah. biologically, they're still female. Are they surely they're still excluded by your definition? In my in my understanding sort of what I'm trying to explain, I'm taking somebody who's transitioned as somebody who's fully transitioned, i.e. the operation. That so then you... I'm, then I'm, somebody mm -hmm. who has become a male yep. has a penis. Yep. And therefore, they shouldn't be sleeping with women in the rape centre. But then surely trans... So, any, so, so no, anyone that is yeah. trans cannot be... Well, there can't be a space where a, bio a woman who's completely biologically female should be allowed to say, I'd like to sleep 
in an area where I'm separate from that. I'm saying somebody who's trans shouldn't be allowed in the same building. No, I, I, see, I, see, I, see, yeah. I see your point there. I, I'm going to press, press on this slightly. Um, because you're talking about, well, a trans man shouldn't be able to sleep there because he's had surgery and now has gained a penis, for example. But, for example, a uh, trans woman who has transitioned from becoming a man to a woman, uh, if that's what you believe, now doesn't have a penis. So you're saying that the issue there was that they should not be able to sleep with normal biological women because they have a penis addition. No, 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 I think that there's two separate issues there. I think that a trans man can be allowed in there because he's got a penis. That's number one. A trans woman, who conceivably doesn't have a penis, shouldn't be allowed in there because, bio because biologically, because at one point they're a male with a greater bone density, greater muscle density, they shouldn't be allowed in the same area. But the trans man is biologically... Uh, 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 so what would your criteria... That's what I probably should come to. What would be your criteria of who is allowed to sleep there? Um, has no penis and has the muscle density and bone density of a woman. I would say it, would, it, it seems a fair assumption, but how on, uh, how, how on earth are you supposed to ascertain whether they have a penis or they don't? Well, I think when somebody checks into a crisis centre... <laughs> they should be. They should have to fill out a form saying, "Are you? or have you always been biologically female?" What's to say they fill out the form and they tick yes, and they're a trans woman? Well, then they haven't always been biologically. No, 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 no. But but no. But they tick yes on the form. How how is the centre supposed to know if they look like a woman? Well, I assume. I think in that case, I have to trust people to be honest with that. I think if people choose to tick, like that, yes, they've always been biologically female when they haven't. Then to me, that's 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 akin to fraud. If you're saying like, like it's, it's so if we decided that I want to enter um, a a centre for men who've been raped by women, um, and I decide, you know what, I'm going to put my hair up and I'm going to tick that yes, I've always been a biological man, right? I'm not suggesting that makes me trans. I'm just saying for comparison, right? Mm -hmm. I tick that, and they go, okay, plausible, yeah, right? In I go. That's not on. <laughs> that's, no, but but but. Say that's but 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 I I I I'm I'm have slight slight query. Here. Okay. Because if someone's in that obviously state of distress where they would require a shelter, is the best thing to do require them to fill out paperwork? I think it's necessary. I'd argue that to put a woman who has been violently attacked by a man she doesn't know, um, in. You know, it changes the kind of help you give somebody. If somebody's been, you know, if somebody came to your rape centre um, and you say, look, what's happened? Um, and they say, I've been violently attacked on the street by a man I don't know, compared to the father of my children's raped me. It's a different story. It completely changes the kind of aid you choose to give them. For example, firstly, that begs the question, OK, you injured? It's, it, it's a completely different set. Um, you know, and it comes to even stuff like, are you on the pill? It, it changes the kind of the kind of help you give somebody. Yeah, so I, I think your, I suppose if they implemented your um, suggestions, it could be quite good. But if we look at, uh, generally, if we look at the overview and what does the law say uh, on this issue, you can have uh, sex um, exclusionary rules, for example. So there, there are two main categories under the Equalities Act 2010. I'll use the UK example here because I think it's effectively equivalent to the Isle of Man. Uh, and... There are two relevant exceptions. So we have Schedule 3, paragraphs two and 26 and 27, which allow service providers to provide separate services for men and women or to provide services to only men or only women in certain circumstances. 
and it means without these exceptions it, you have to have a nature of the ban uh, for example you can hold women only sessions at leisure center well sessions at leisure center or a new father support group at a nursery they're all fine and you can have um exception allowing single sex services to discriminate because of gender reassignments i think this is what you, you talk about here so the third exception schedule three paragraph 28 very legal but it's, it is it is true it's from the parliament website so i trust it's I from, trust from, you, from, Archie, it's from a committee you. investigation allows providers of separate or single sex services to provide a different service to or to exclude someone who's the protected characteristics of gender reassignment this includes those who have a GRC, a gender recognition certificate, which we'll come on to later, as well as someone who does not have a GRC but otherwise meets the definition under the Equalities Act. Uh, application of this exception may be objectively justified as a means of achieving a legitimate aim. So I suppose this is what we're talking about in women refuges. Again, I'm not providing legal advice. I'm not a lawyer, unfortunately. Uh, a example given in explanatory notes to the Act says a group of counselling services for female victims of sexual assault where organisers could exclude a woman with protected characteristics of gender reassignment if they judged the clients would be unlikely to attend sessions if she was there. So it is protected under the law. It's just that various pressure groups and various refuges which all have slightly different individual policies. And there is quite a infringement by groups such as we've mentioned Gallup before. And I'm, I, again, I'm, actually, I'm in agreement with Mitzi here how much you may believe my devil's advocate. I do think it's, it's a serious issue and you should have it limited to, as Mitzi says, has very bluntly has no penis and has the muscle density of a woman, but I are biologically female. I think it's is important because it can trigger almost relapses of the events, which can be quite damaging. And there was an interesting article, I was or interesting article I was reading by the where was it? I think it was Women's Place UK, which basically is saying, are are the people at the refuge supposed to differentiate between transgender? people, i.e. male, who have genuinely experienced men's violence, have managed to unpick their male socialisation and will not use their sense of male entitlement, however much I disagree with that term, sexism or misogyny to harm, reduce and control women in refuge. It's obviously coming from quite feminist literature. And those people, I suppose, it's very, very hard to judge between these people who actually need that help and would probably be fine, and transgender people who have genuinely experienced violence but are still dripping as this feminist website puts in male privilege and advantage and who hate and resent women, or transgender people who are narcissistic perpetrators that have managed to convince themselves that they're a victim, transgender people who are fetishes and I can't pronounce this uh, weird word here. Yes, a weird word there. And men who are pretending to be trans in order to track down a particular woman and access women in general. I think it's not fair on those refuge staff who are already doing such very valuable work to have to come across and make those decisions in turn. Particularly when, you know, it's such a minefield, deciding mm. that, you know, this person's telling me they're male and I'm telling them they're not. It's, you know, I think that's... For somebody... And a lot of, a lot of the people that work at crisis centres are actually volunteers. Mm. Um, and to add to the list of jobs, okay, so you've got someone coming in who's had this happen to them and someone who's had this happen to them um, and someone's having a panic attack over there. So, and this person's saying they're a female... It's, it's, it's very hard and it's especially it's become even harder I think in recent years with the very large narrative in many circles that it's constantly rammed down our throat a trans woman is a woman or a trans man is a man and yes I did use those earlier to make a point and that narrative 
is quite quite hard to overcome. The language is on the side of those who want to almost uproot our society. Because it's, again, I think it's not true. It's simply not true. A trans woman is a trans woman. A man is a man. A, tra- a trans man is a trans man. There has to be this differentiation. I think it's, as some transgender activists actually say, no, it's entirely right. That, that it's entirely wrong to say a trans man is a man because it strips of, of the processes and the struggle that we've had to go through to get our identity how it is. It strips almost that level of identity. And it differentially must be put because a trans man is inherently different to a biological man, however much, uh, as listeners, you may want to go and uh, hand-draw and quarter me, for example. Um, that's it's, it's quite a contentious point to make this, but I think it's one of quite simple logic. I, in my opinion, I would have to agree with that. That's not to suggest that in everyday life, for example, on a job application, to be, oh, it doesn't matter. To be a secretary, mm. if you're a trans woman, you shouldn't take a woman. Like, no. I think, for, for general societal purposes, I see no reason why a trans woman can't be a woman. However, in these very specific and quite horrible sets of circumstances that we've been talking about, I think that there needs to be some way of differentiation. But I think it's it's like we talk, for example, yes, it's this, the specifics where they become very useful, like this case. But it's like, for example, if I could use apples, yes, it's an extrapolated example. But you have a pink lady apple, you have a brambly apple, and you both call them, they're an apple. But they are different apples. Yeah. We must recognise the fact they're different apples. We cannot say a pink lady apple is a brambly apple. Um do you believe it would be a good time to then pull in the the quote that, or, the, or the 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 thing that you pulled in earlier that, from J.K. Rowling? I think that that will come on. Come on yes, later. it will come on later when we. But talk I think about it, would, it would be a yes. good point to pull that in. But if you want to leave that on till uh, then later, then I, d- I don't see. Um, yes, I don't were, see why you can't do that. I but think yeah. we should come on to a self ID. Okay. Next on this, uh, do you have anything on on this? Was it way way out of the controversy? No, I, I will. I, I I'll stay where I am. I'll I'll, I'll I'll stay put and I'll I'll keep listening. <laughs> Oliver, I, I I think we we must recognise the damage cancer culture has had on our podcast. No, I, I'm, jo- I'm joking. He's, he's entitled to remain quiet. He can invoke, as the Americans would call it, the Fifth Amendment. Uh, but we we talk about self ideas. Something which comes in, I suppose, with the GRC we mentioned earlier, the Gender Recognition Certificate. Uh, do we think self-ID is a good thing? I mean, in my opinion, kind of, as a libertarian, I would say that my opinion on whether it's a good thing or not, firstly, should have no impact on whether it's allowed. Um, I'd say that gender recognition is absolutely fraught. Not simply from the perspective of being counselled when you say anything, but from the perspective of reasons people choose to do it, and particularly for us who, you know, we've never kind of decided that we'd like to be a different gender than we were. It's an incredibly difficult thing to comment on. Um, I'd say that it's... I could see conceivably that in some situations it could be a good thing. Um, But this is all hypothetical, you know. All I can comment on is conceivably, possibly, um, somebody who's biologically female would decide that they're actually male and they'd like to identify as male. I... However, I can see that, particularly for young people, that that is a problem, you know? If you're kind of 14 years old, um, having problems, 14-year-olds have problems, um, and you decide, actually, my problems are... The root of them is the fact that I'm female, but I'd like to be male. I'd say that, you know, similarly to if I was 14, I decided that I'd like to be sterilised. It's a, it's something that you're very young to, to think about that, and it's not suggesting that you can't 
sort of colloquially saying, oh, maybe, maybe I'm male, but revisit it when you're 18, revisit it when you're 20. Uh, I, I find it, to that extent it's almost sinister, this idea that mm. as quite a, young, quite a young person, the root of our problems could be solved by deciding you're this. And, OK, you might be. And maybe when, maybe when you're in your 20s after uni, you'll decide that you are. But, yeah, I think, I think to that extent it's, it's, it's quite questionable. But we're talking about self self ID here, which is where the person doesn't go through the uh, the main process they have currently. Of uh, in case you don't know what self ID, uh, talking to listeners, not not you, but see, I know a lot of the not mansplaining here, as some people like to write in and uh, accuse me of. But self ID is basically going through to cut out the process, so you fill in the form, and we'll come into ge- what Germany's proposals are later. You fill in the form and say, yes, I'm I'm a woman now, so I could say I fill in the form, send it to the register office, and suddenly now my passport says I'm a woman. That's what we're talking no, about. Ra- ra- yeah, yeah, I know. So, yeah. uh, I just explain, 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 explain self-ID in the general terms in case people don't know what they are. Uh, instead of the current processes where you have to, I think, apl- apply and have live in the gender for two years, have a doctor to verify, two, two experts, and then go through the process. And I think that strikes the right balance between people wanting to make that legal change because it makes them feel happy and the balance of ensuring it's the right decision to take. And having checks and balances and due process in place, and it's Scotland was wanting to uh, bring in self ID, and I think that was entirely uh, quite a bad decision to make. Really, I think they're looking to bring it in currently. There was a survey out in May. Forward. I think I w- I'd agree with you on the idea that um, self ID is kind of living. You live as the gender for two years. You go through all checks and balances. I'd say that in. That's not self-ID, that's, that's the current system. Yeah. I, I think that that, that idea, um, I think in a pluralist society, even if you know, we wouldn't necessarily agree with it, I think that absolutely we should tolerate that. Hmm. Um, however, I, I really think that you know, you're, making it, you're making it too easy if it's filling a form and tick a box. You know, it's like, it, even, you know, even to get a marriage certificate here, it's, you go for a meeting, they'll take you and they'll ask you certain questions about anybody's persuading you. It's a long process. They'll consider your application. It's not tick a box, say yes, please. Yeah, I, I have put it obviously an oversimplification of self yeah. self-ID. Yeah, no, but, yeah. but, but it's, like, but it's, it's easier, that yeah. That's, that's a, it's a longer process than I think self-ID will want to be. But I think, I think it's sort of that... that uh, that government bureaucracy, that red tape that, you know, they, they, they try and do things sometimes to stop you doing them. They, they make things a matter of conveni- inconvenience, don't they? Well, I think it's just, it makes it a considered decision. Yes, um, if yeah. We, if we look at Germany, for example, there's, um, I, I, re- I read out the general parts they're putting in the law, but the proposal is by the Green Party. It's quite ironic because the minister proposing it is the Federal Minister for Family Affairs, Senior Citizens, Women and Children. I find it quite ironic uh, that she's wanting a derogation of any sort. And, uh, she's very against almost the family values aspect and she's the Minister for Family Affairs, Children, Senior Citizens and Women. I find it quite interesting, uh, ironic, but she is the Green Party in Germany, so it makes sense. And there's other aspects within Europe coming in, uh, which we'll touch on later. But the proposal of the Green Party is effectively self-ID. So once a year, you're able to change your legal uh, gender by going to the civil registry office. You're able to go to the civil registry office, change your gender, 
and the lim- term limit is you have one year and then you can change your gender again. Did you say did you say once a year on, on that? Yes, once a year. Uh, following this, you have access to all women's facilities. There's no proof of seriousness or stability of the wish to transition needed. So you don't need to prove that you've lived in the gender for two years to prove you have the wish to transition. No psychological or any reason such as gender dysphoria is needed. But... All medical uh, procedures should be paid for by compulsory health insurance and patients should choose autonomously which operations they want. 14-year-old kids who decide to change gender even against the parents' will, but obviously they have to have someone to verify it was their will. And then misgendering someone could cost up to €2,500, i.e. if someone calls someone a man who doesn't want to be a man, sir or he, or a woman who doesn't want to be a woman, madam or she, and there's no proportions against the possible... Uh, abuse of this law. I think this is the this is the original law proposal, uh, which w- 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 was quite quite a time ago. But there's a new draft here. This was this was a few couple of years ago. This is the Green Party's proposal. And this is where we have to understand where the party's coming from and what's the ultimate aim they want to put in, and then we can address the current legislation of what they want to actually put in. Just to sort of speculate mm. a little bit with that, in my opinion, sort of experienced this from a female perspective yeah um, i'd say that what in my in my speculation what what apologies i think we've once again hit some recording difficulties with the microphones and we have no idea what mitzi is saying here but it was something again of much note and importance oh you're not a woman you're a person it's not, you know, that's not. I identify myself as a woman. I am a woman. Well, the NHS wants to do that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> which we, again is is coming. To, there's a lot. There's a lot. Lots of aspects here. This was. Uh, I just. I just quote my source here. It's coming from Fairness for Frown, which is uh, again a group, a group talking about fairness for women here. Uh, this is where my source has come from, and this is to do with the Green Party's proposal for the. I think the first hearing of self ID laws in the. 2020 November but now they're bringing in actually bringing in a self-ID law which just has to be approved by government and then it'll go to the legislature hopefully by the end of the year um but this is coming from uh 4w Germany um just to say people can read in their own time I'm not just making it up uh and this is again this is passing the plan so the bill is actually to say anyone aged 14 up 14 years older and up can change their legal sex by filling out a form um so this is it's basically to repeal the transsexual act which was brought in i think in 08 but in the case of minors 14 to 18 the new law allows them to change their sex markers and documents with the consent of their legal guardians and the parents of children under 14 would have the right to file a form on their child's behalf if one of the legal guardians disagrees with the sex marker change they both have to agree the family court could at interest of the minor actually replace the decision of parents based in the best interest of the child. There's no limit currently on how many times a person could change their gender or their, their sex, legal sex. However, there is a waiting period of one year and then you can change it again. And this was according to the ministry in order to stop people doing it on a willy-nilly. Not in, the, not in, that, not in that obviously language because it's German, uh, but that's how I describe it. And I find that quite shocking because I wouldn't say once a year would dissuade anyone from doing something like Winnie Nilly because it's 12 months, it's not that long. No, I... Now, I'm... I mean, anybody who's sort of seen me do anything else... And another instance of technical difficulties here, I do apologise. 
However, I think that that actually is detrimental to young people's rights. I think that sort of even me now, like if I, any decision, that, like even so, sort of, I'm a long time ago I considered uh, having breast reduction surgery. Um, and I was considering that when I was 14, and they told me, come back when you're 16, we can talk about mm. it. I came back when I was 16 to talk about it, and they said, okay, so wait a year, and then we might think about it. I waited a year, came back, and I was like, actually, I don't want it. Mm. Um, and I think that that's absolutely, as a young person, you have the right, particularly with drastic medical decisions, to say, I'm going to think about this, and I have the right to think, okay, I need, as sort of the trusting adult in the situation, as the doctor, you have the, the sort of, you you should be able, you should be able to afford that young person the time to say, come back see But that the doctors have to do that. That's what the current system. The doctor has to make sure that person considered for two years. This removes any aspect of a doctor. It's a civil registry office. Um, and it, 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 I would agree, it is shocking. People need to, decisions need to be considered for, and it's obviously it's an awful scenario if you were to think you were trapped in the wrong body. That you, you thought you were the wrong gender than what you've been born in. And it's an awful decision, but the thing is, need to be considered and you need to go through the processes because it helps you come to terms with it all. And there was an interesting, as I referenced last time, there was an interesting uh, paper from, I think it was Dr. I've forgotten his first name, Bell. Uh, I referenced it last, last time we were discussing this issue. And the, the children have actually, we don't know what we think really as children. We experiment with lots of things and then eventually we may decide that's not what I wanted to do. And I think it's good to give that child those formative years to really be quite free in thinking. But having those anchors, which I, th I feel personally are important, of you are X, Y, Z, you have certain anchors in life that that's just accepted fact. And you can play around with it. Be gender non-conforming. It doesn't matter. It's not my, it's not my personal choice. But there, you play with it. But at least you have that anchor where you know what you are at the end of the day. Otherwise, it becomes almost... You don't know what you are, you have no purpose, and it just becomes you've been cut off from the cosmic anchor and you're just left. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I'd say that, um, yeah, I was, I was talking to somebody um, kind of in their, in their 50s about this mm. the other day, um, and she was saying that um, when she was young and growing up in England, she remembered that there was a boy down the road who was sort of eight years old and he'd like to dress up in dresses. Mm. Um, and he'd walk around in dresses, and no one thought anything of it because he wasn't trying to be a woman. Mm. He was a boy that liked wearing dresses. Now he's an accountant. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but the thing is, there's, there's no there's no difference there. There's girls who wants to wear trousers. It's just it's, it's clothing. Um, but sorry, I did make a mistake earlier. I said the Transsexual Act was uh, 08. It's actually 1981, and that grounds no, 1981 was when no, that's when not this one was brought no, in. No, no just, this just... is the old one, uh, and it grounds the uh, legal sex change on the independent assessment of two court appointed experts, which is now being removed. But there's also now the disclosure bans on former names, which was under that act, which came in in 81, uh, which was established in that act, can, is now going to be extended and fines are going to be added. That's misgendering. Oh, uh, using their former name. I, I've got... Hmm. I mean, as a libertarian, I've got massive concerns about that. Hmm. I think that... I mean, I... Absolutely, I, I do think that if somebody wants to identify as male, then in certain circumstances, i.e. a workplace... I ought to attempt to respect that. You know, similarly to if um, somebody's decided that their their kind of address title is miss, even though they've been married, I ought to respect that. Mm. Um, however, I think that if, you know, if someone came in and said, right, I'm male, mm. and in my opinion, I'm really not, I should be allowed to refer to them as she. They're allowed to tell me to F off. They're allowed to call me whatever they want. However, I'm allowed to call them.
Ah, but you see, they, they, they could call you whatever they want, but they're not going to be fined. That's exactly you are. That's, 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 under, that's under the rules. Um, fight between ourselves, and mm. I think that's absolutely our right to. However, it's I think it's absolutely protected that, you know, if I'm of the viewpoint that person is not a woman, mm. even, if, even if I'm completely wrong and they're biologically female, forever, right? Mm. It's my right to say, he. Yeah. I could be a right obnoxious little creature. Of course, but, but again, it's, it's freedom of speech in the issues. It may be offensive, but at the end of the day, I think it's that's it's more important. Yes, it happens in a few cases. It might be damaging, but to have censorship in one area, where does it stop? Exactly. Where do you decide where that line is or what you can say and where you can't say? Who decides it? Uh, but this German, unless Oliver wants to, do this something to say? No, no, all good, all good. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm enjoying listening, guys. I'm enjoying listening. Well, I, I, I hope everyone else is. But the German Ministry of For Family Affairs states on their website that the Self Determination Act does not change the existing practice for women's shelters. But when asked by a journalist, the German Minister of Family Affairs answered about uh, if she wanted to ensure women's sense of security in domestic shel shelters, she answered. Trans women are women. That's why I see no need for a discussion here. So that that's 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 the level which we're we're being we're being faced across. And this is just as in Germany, for example, where we think they would be rather they they think sense on this issue. But it's it's quite it's quite scary to see this happening in a European neighbour not so far away, where they're implementing these very shocking laws, and it's almost it's not really hitting the media because. It's, there's so many other issues in the world to take place. It's almost it's hard, it's covering under the fact that, for example, Germany has the issues at the moment of the gas supply. They have issues of blackouts in some countries. Well, not blackouts, but they have, they have the pressing issue of that. They have winter heating. They have again the food, the uh, cost of living crisis. They have the war in Ukraine with the refugee situation. That this is just almost I I fear being slipped in under the radar. And once it's passed here, where else will it be passed? I mean, yeah, from, from a viewer perspective, that's concerning. Mm. I, you know, I think without, without sounding kind of outrageously feminist, I would say... I do think Mitsu is making a point here on something to do with women's shelters, but once again, I think it's lost uh, in the audio, in the cosmos of our political I think the the shelters will make their own minds up on this, and it's not going to be enforced on them. It's just more the Ger the Ger no, but the German minister thinks there's no issue. That's 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 what I generally find slightly scary on this issue. But wouldn't shelter bosses or whatever wouldn't they be fined for misgendering somebody if they decided that you weren't? I I I've not I've not I'm not versed, well versed in uh, German law uh, particularly much. I suppose, I suppose, but I suppose it is a risk. But it's generally there's little campaign against these self ID laws in, for example, uh, in Germany because they're not as as Miss Miss Bow, which is a I've forgotten who she is. Uh, anyway, she 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 elaborates that feminists in the Germany aren't as strong as the UK. There's not such an organisation against these movements coming, and the government's put it. It's almost guaranteed this bill will be passed in some some aspect. Because they put it as one of their formative agendas for the country, alongside dealing with um, what is it, on par with the war in Ukraine and the energy crisis importance. This is what they're bringing in, probably because the SDP, the ruling party, wanted the Green Party on side in uh, coalition agreements. Because coalition in Germany gets very messy. It's all political uh, horse trading. But I think it's 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 quite 
quite an interesting predicament facing the, the European nations. I, absolutely. I think interesting to me isn't quite the right word for it. I think it's quite disturbing. Um, hmm. I, you know, I think that to risk... I, the sad thing about this is, despite all kind of our debate with this, if I was a shelter, if I ran a women's aid shelter in Germany and this was coming in and I didn't agree that trans hmm. women were women, I'd go, you know what, I can't do this anymore, I'm shutting down. And that, I think, is what's really sad about it. Well, it depends what the end legal law is, but they, 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 no. But they'll probably, they'll probably take legal advice and say, well, what, what does my shelter do? What can my shelter actually do? And if it becomes too much, it does actually harm these services because you're too afraid of setting a wrong foot. It's almost misgender someone, you might be fined 2,500 euros. I don't want to pay 2,500 euros to government because I made a mistake. Exactly. Um, again, you wouldn't, if you made a mistake, probably have to pay 2,500, but it, 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 but it all adds up. And you don't know what, you don't know what happens. It could be... The, the minimum one is 2,500, the maximum is 100,000. Who, who does know where where it sits? But it's it's quite a damaging wave that sweeps across Europe. And I, it's not, again, as I've been reading, it's not so... It's this wokeism, which I describe. A better term for wokeism is probably the more academic term, which is the critical social, social justice, which is... That's the movement, which generally pushes for wokeism. But it's not just a progressive movement that's occurred in the last 20 years. It's been there... Very, very slowly moving, as we talked about last week, very slowly moving this agenda for the past 200 or so years. Slowly moving an edge forward, and suddenly now, we believe certain things are entirely acceptable. It's entirely acceptable to find someone for saying something. I think we're, I think we're at yeah. the crossroads at the moment, aren't we? We're, all, we're yeah. at this point where we're like, well, we're accepting this, but we're not accepting that, and where do we go from now? Well, you know, yeah. But I, my, my, I think it's risking to be too late. Yeah, um, but indeed. Again, we're, we're another talk about language, which I think is especially important, is the language doesn't sit on the side of us discussing any of these. For example, if we look at harsh language, even used against maybe people like me, used, even though I'm entirely not, you have racist, you have transphobic. They're all quite harsh language used against. Or even, for, for example, turf. They're used almost as slurs now, which aren't slurs, because they're classed as, they're just describing words. But in fact... Yeah, but in fact, if you're describing someone as racist, you're saying that they're despicable. Effectively, is what you're saying, just in other words. Uh, the connotations are very bad. But what do we think about the word turf, uh, Lindsay? I mean, I think that it kind of describes... I'd argue that among feminists, there is a massive divide. Um, some of which would argue that trans women are women. Some of which would argue that they're decidedly not. Mm. Um I'd say that to say that because by having turf it implies mm. that a radical feminist is one who includes trans women. And then I'd say that that isn't true. That not necessarily. I'd say that a radical feminist may or may not, but to say to to use to add trans exclusionary to the front of it changes the the original ideas of radical feminism. It changed the ideas of okay, women should build a credit card even if they're not married. Sort of the original family principles to oh, you, you don't include this person who's had surgery, therefore you're something else. Mm. You're not part of that heritage of, and I'd argue, fighting for some really quite instrumental rights early on. But I think men, mainly people don't necessarily, they, they use the term, and lots of people use terms, they don't understand the words. We see children now saying, if their parents or teacher says something, get down off that table, they're called suddenly, oh, you're a racist, or is it because I'm black? They, yes. that, that's, that's, that's the sort of language we're facing in society at the moment. I think it is... It's quite damaging. 
Mm, it, it's it's an interesting one, isn't it? And I suppose it's that um, I don't know what it is really. We've we've just yeah we've gone to think that because someone says something, we could accuse people. I think that's the thing. We can accuse people of anything now these days, can't we? Yeah, and it seems to be no smoke without fire. You mm. know, someone mm. accuses something. Yeah, a, a man's accused of being sexist. Oh well. Must be then. I, I've, I've, I've been accused of such, which I find without any, without any, without any basis. That's the point. Yeah, you can just say someone, someone is, and it's accepted without oh, basis. Yeah, and then you have to prove you're not. Yeah, that's that's. Oh that's yeah. And I, percent on you. And I, and I, 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 I can't bear that anyway. Well, it's like we say on this podcast. Mm. You know, we've got to be sometimes careful about where we tread and Sorry, what we stop say. Sorry, mansplaining. Um, mansplaining here. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Is it because I'm a woman that you're explaining this? No. <laughs> he didn't get a joke. Did he not? No, he's done this before to me and I sometimes think, what are you, what are you trying to say? Anyway, um, no, sometimes on the podcast uh, we've had to be careful what we say because, you know... I'm not, I'm not anymore. I've, got, I've gone beyond No, that. you've... You, yeah. Uh, I've, I've but you know what I mean? So fed People up, search up, like, Politibabble podcast and then, like, click on, you know, potential, I don't know, employees in the future and, and they say, oh... You know, you said this previously, but you know, and people's thoughts and opinions can ah, change, can't they? Yeah. We're, we're we're coming up. We're, we're just about to turn on to that that very that very that very, oh. that very issue. We'll, oh well, I tied it in very well. well. We're, we're, but I, well, I, just, we I just come back to turf. I'll, I'll play a little link music uh, in a second. No, 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 but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, but turf uses uses language. I think it's it's quite it's quite a, da- a damaging uh, aspect, mainly because it's uses. I, I would argue it's used generally as a almost like racist term at the moment. Uh, here's an example with tweets about turfs. They'd be warned you may want to skip the next minute because some of them are quite uh, not very unfriendly, yes. So we use the, uh, the family friendly term, unfriendly. Uh, for example, here one trans women, capitals are uh, not capitals, women. Everyone denying that uh, capitals proven, uh, uncapitals fact, is happily invited to die in a fire, hashtag turf. What if someone traced the IP of that Emily person and went and killed her? Because I'd do the same. I'd do it, but I'm a bit far. That's the only thing turfs deserve, being doxxed and killed. These are the sorts of tweets that are are being tweeted about uh, trans-exclusionary radical feminists. And I think it's that's what we're coming into the world. And again, Twitter would probably end up banning these eventually, but they're more likely to ban just saying the very fact that trans women are women. They're more likely to ban your account over... Which is utterly ridiculous, and that, and that again, it's it's quite terrifying to have these threats made against. I've even I've had uh, I've had similar threats just for saying I'm conservative. Oh, I, 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 I I'm cons- I'm conservative, and and then you think oh just die and oh, you get you get you get yeah, threats which are just so awful, and you, I I laugh I laugh at them because I think because because after all, Archie, you never get never, offended. No, I personally laugh at them, but not everyone's like me, and it's not very. It's just awful. I agree with you, but I think that if we're saying that, you know, freedom of speech, they should be allowed. Oh no, I, I'm not saying they shouldn't be allowed to say it, but these are the, the languages. No, what's used. the point? He doesn't get offended. <laughs> you, but you can't say the opposite. Oh, that's yeah, the problem. Want... That's the problem. If you have a great big fight, die in a fire, then from my perspective, that's excellent. But I, 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 I do, I do draw the line. Obviously, with these tweets, I do draw the line. I had one caveat on freedom of speech when it incites violence. I then think, I, I, I believe that that could be, again, if there's actually a willingness to throw it through, as you can prove it is would be followed through, 
I think that needs to be taken a look at. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I think that comes under the same thing as natural selection. So, and yeah, if you say, go go kill yourself. Tweets like this, I think I, I, I'd take a serious issue with. Again, I wouldn't be offended because I, honestly, I don't believe in the term to take offence really from much stuff. I think it's just a, a pejorative term and it, it's lost its meaning in the modern world, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, obviously tweets like that are really horrible, but mm. I think that they, they only become like an actual criminal matter if there is an actual tangible threat. If it's just somebody getting a bit keyboard warrior-ish, then we have to be strong enough to say, okay, he's not a very nice person. But that there are actual examples of people being attacked no, phys- physically for being general, attacked, which I think... I'm just saying yeah. in general, if somebody tells you, go kill yourself, it's not, it's no. not a... But if we move move on to the, the issue which Oliver was touching on, which is almost the protections under the Equality Act for people, for employers, I think that's something which entirely must now be protected. Um, to protect people from having their views and it thankfully is protected um, under the Equalities Act Um, it's protected as a philosophical belief so you can hold the gender critical beliefs and it's entirely protected which I think is is, is very useful Um, however much uh, Stonewall and organisations of the like like to portray the Equalities Act as entirely different uh, it does thankfully protect these it was ruled in a the Maya Forstarter case um, not so long ago, actually. No, I mean, the, the tribunal only overturned the decision that she could be sacked for it um, in July. But the decision protected under belief came, I think, no, a couple of years yeah, ago. Was, to me, that's um, Mayor Forstater. That's, um, you know, it's, it's a solid grounding of, OK, point to that. You can't fire me because I don't agree with you. But the worrying thing is these tribunals take time. They take so much time, and if you don't have the funds to support yourself through that time, or even get the legal support to pursue these cases, it's still very, it's still a really easy way to shut them up. This is this is one this is one of the few cases we know about. There'll be many where we don't know about it. People are hounded out, and they don't make a fuss because they don't have they, they don't have a way to make the, the fuss, and that's what's quite damaging. Because although we say yes, it sets a legal precedent, you can't fire me because of this. It doesn't stop it happening. It, it doesn't stop it happening. I think that's, again, something which needs to put in more protections for employees uh, and employers in that regard because I think it's very damaging because it's not like it's, it's not like she was expressing it inside the workplace. She was expressing it as a tweet outside of her job, not in the remit of her job. And it should be protected. Which, it is protected. But it, but it shouldn't take an employment tribunal of two years to actually overturn it. And if we turn to a tweet, which I'm sure we, now, we can now discuss, which we touched on earlier from JK Rowling in 2018, she said, Dress how you please, call yourself whatever you like, sleep with any consenting adult who will have you, live your best life with peace and security, but force women for out of their jobs for stating that sex is real? Question mark. Well, that's the thing, yeah. It comes from perspective that um that a certain viewpoint is right mm. anybody who doesn't completely agree with that viewpoint is wrong and must be punished for being so wrong and that to me even, even if they are like let's say that we are completely wrong here and trans women are women we've, we've, we've got it wrong right we're still we still should be allowed to say this. we shouldn't you know go into school and find that we're not allowed to be in certain areas because we're we're, we're scaring trans people you know. Did you have that? No, I didn't. Just yeah, hypothetically, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that shouldn't be. That shouldn't be something that would frighten us from saying this. It's an interesting statement that J.K. Rowling's has put there. I think it's. I think it's kind of that thing. Just do what you want to do at the end of the day, mm. um, because it's not really affecting anyone else, is it? 
with J.K. Rowling, we discussed last time, she, I don't believe she's transphobic. She's been named by the um, woke trope, basically, that she's transphobic. But uh, the evidence is actually very, very weak. They're posting almost Daily Mail headlines without the substance. I mean, I don't, I don't know that we. C I'd argue that the term transphobic has never really been defined. In your opinion, it might be transphobic. Okay. Well, I, 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 if I, I think if we can't define it, it's instantaneously. If you can't say it is, then I'd say it's not. I, I, I take the base term. Pretty, isn't it? It's like I think you don't. Oh well, is it pretty or isn't it? Oh well, okay then. But again, it depends. It depends if you have no definition on pretty. I think in the overall term, you can neither comment. You can't say that it is pretty. Therefore, you can't attach the term, so it's not the term. I'm it's not. Sure, it's, it's not saying it's the opposite. I'm not sure, I take quite a high line view as that. I'd say that once, if you're using sort of the word transphobic to describe, as long as you use it for all things, to say that, as long as you have kind of an objective moral standard of what's transphobic, you can say right, okay, that's transphobic. You can tell me that duck is transphobic, as long as all ducks are transphobic. That's the one last topic before we give our final thoughts on the issue is that, or before we go to my thought experiment, which is actually really interesting this week, is the NHS. All right. What? Uh, Mitzi, oh, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> NHS mentioned Mitzi uh, explodes. Um, the NHS, more the, the changing of mothers to utilise the pregnant person or the person with pregnancy or birthing parents in maternity lords, I think is utterly ridiculous. Say that outright. They're, they're literally using... Uh, they're literally basically ascribing to what a pressure group tells them to do, i.e. the pressure group I refer to is Stonewall. Now, if you do want to listen more on Stonewall, there's an excellent podcast on it. I won't go and try to explain to myself. Nolan, he, no, they do an excellent job. Nolan investigates Stonewall. It's on BBC Flat Sound, so free to, free to listen to. Yes, Nolan investigates Stonewall. Um, Very good podcast. To that kind of mothers or pregnant people, I'd say that if I was pregnant with a child, I'd like to be referred to as a mother. Um, mm. However, if you're non-binary and you are pregnant with a child and you say to your midwife, I'm really sorry, I wouldn't like to be called the mother, I'd like to be called the birthing parent, then I think they ought to respect that. In the same way as, you know, if I, if I came in and said, um, I don't want you to um, call my husband when I'm giving birth. You know, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a patient care issue, it's I, not a rule. I, I agree with you here, but the, the point is here, it's changing, well, the, it it's, it's changing the literature to be... It's changing all of the terminologies and all of the uh, documents to be this. Where, in the majority of cases, the vast, vast majority, mothers give birth. I don't see an issue with that. I think that's the gift of motherhood, is to give birth. And I think that's what should stay. But it's being almost removed from this. Uh, and there was a BMJ uh, paper saying that... Um, does it, it's basically pushing at the deeper concerns of this NHS move to say is the deeper concern is whether gender inclusive linguistic changes because the unintended consequences of making biologically biological sex conceptually less visible and much more difficult in, to clearly explain in healthcare and medical education uh, because we have the two distinct uh, garments the biological roles are identifi identifiable in human sexual reproduction the word female it's all of this it's basically the rationale is is not really there i think it's the the danger of facing the particular live ex, lived experiences of women i think there's not much in the usual uh, activists you'll push that it should be moved to be birthing parent but i think quite a lot of us think common sense it just shouldn't be there 
I'd say, as a standard, the word is mother. Mm. The one exception where someone says, actually, no, I'm not female. I, I, don't, I don't identify as a female. I want to be a birthing parent. I'd say, OK. Mm. But the standard is that it's mother and you are the exception. And I think that that's rather than, rather than saying in 10 years' time, I go to hospital and I'm going to give birth. And they say, OK, so you're the pregnant person. And I'd say, I oh, know I'm the mother. You know, I'm, I don't think I'm the exception. I think it's the other way around. Mm. No, that, that's what I agree. We, we, we're catering here to minority rather than majority. I think that's the that's the dangerous case. We're in, we're in a democracy. We should be inherently catering to the majority, not not to the minority. It seems pointless to cater to the minority because why why do we do it? Why do we we move? We're currently being forced to move all our language to suit the gentle ears of minority, where. Honestly, it's not just, it's not disclaiming who you are. It's language being used. They'll probably change it if you just say, "Oh, I'd like you to refer to me as this." And most of us are normal humans. We say, "Absolutely, I'll do that for you." But it doesn't need to change our language as our overall no. to something it's not. It's birth is not the birth in parents. But it, but it's a control issue. It's a control issue. Once they change this language, what other language would they change? It's just a way to test the waters of what can what can they control. Yeah, by the end of it, it's like um, oh, um, George Orwell. Mm, yes, 1984. Yes, that's it. Um, war is peace. Mm. This is this. Oh, and we forgot the fact that... Two plus two equals five, guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and it, it completely... I mean, I, I'm trying to be a writer at the moment. I'd say that if you rob people of the language they use, the power that language has, you know, in, in, in stories and anything, is that we all kind of understand it. Even if we're using it in a weird mm. way, we all kind of can get all we're saying. And I'd say that's the absolute beauty of speaking a language that we all share. But, you know, I've seen some kind of um, of these kind of wokeism little strap lines, and I read it, and I haven't got a clue what that is. If you could just say, you know, the, the birthing parent, the this, the, the mother, yeah. But there's a reason, the re there's, there's actually, I think, a reason, I think a deeper reason why it's not clear. Yeah, of course. Because they make it not clear, we just have to go along with it. Know. We have to go along with it, because if we don't go along with it, we're evil human beings who must be erased from all forms of history. And we can't even explain why it is we don't agree with it because we're not even sure what it is. Exactly. I, th I think it's, it is damaging um, on, the, on this issue. But what are, what are our final thoughts, I think, to sum up on the issue? Oliver? Well, start with me. Um, OK, well, uh, at the end of the day, um, I think people are, are free to be whatever they want to be. And as long as it's, you know, if, if it's not... If it's not directly impacting me then 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 crack on to wonderful to, i'm a two-spirit penguin oliver well there you go archie that do identify what you want to be what you want to do what you want to but let me say what i want to yeah there you go that is if i if i you can do what you want but i can have an opinion on it yeah. and that's you yeah to care about my opinion yeah but they do oh they do <laughs> well i would go a bit more uh, oh here we go a bit more <laughs> traditional I, 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 I don't think we, we should remove all restrictions to do whatever you want because i think that's that's damaging uh in society to remove all sorts of societal rules i think there's a personally i think there's a reason why traditional rules existed i think there was a rationale behind them which we've almost lost in society and i think we've almost we've become as a society quite lost i think we don't know where we are in society, especially with all of this language being used. We get very, we're very confused about what we are. We're confused of what we can do, what we can't do. And we, I think we, what we seek really as humans is clarity. We seek to know things for how they are. And obviously some things are 
just be things are because they are and that's almost what philosophy explains the things which cannot be explained by science the very basics of life that one plus one equals two that that is left that is right but we have to i think we have to recognize that i think it's quite dangerous to go down these lines of erasing our culture erasing what we have in favor of the the woke agenda to put it quite bluntly to go and erase everything we have just to please a, a few minorities it is a, it is an issue i think generally of control we've gone away from an environment where we'd be controlled from some issues uh, such as we are controlled according to some radical feminists by the patriarchal society or we're controlled by the wealthy and some argue we still are we've gone away from that restrictive society and we've not got away from that into an unrestricted society of what you two may call for that we've gone through no, we've come to society, which is actually, I argue, more restrictive. I agree with you. I, I think it's more restrictive than before, under the guise of being less restrictive. It's almost that's, that's, just, yeah, we yeah, don't yeah. know what the word restrictive means. We think we're less restricted now, but I argue we're actually more restrictive. And I think we'll, that's, a, again, another, another podcast in itself, yeah. because I could go on for hours about how we're more restricted than less. But I think that probably sums up our thoughts. Okie dokie, then. We shall move on to our uh, thought experiment. Wonderful. So this comes from, uh, again, my wonderful book of thought experiments, 100 uh, thought experiments from The Pig That Wants to Be Eaten by Julius uh, Baganini. Uh, this is number 50 called The Good Bribe. Not The Good Bride, The Good Bribe. Uh, and that's ba- it's based around ethics on bribery. So I read out the experiment. And it, you may see links with our current, um, current uh, bold events. I say that much. The Prime Minister liked to think of himself as a pretty straight kind of guy. He genuinely despised corruption and sleaze in government, and wanted to run a cleaner, more honest administration. Something had happened, however, that presented him with a real dilemma. At a Downing Street reception, a businessman known for his lack of scruples, but who did not have a criminal or civil conviction against him, took the PM aside. Whispering conspiratorially into his ear, he said, Many people don't like me and don't like the way I run my affairs. I don't give a damn about that. What does annoy me is that my reputation means I'll never be honoured by my country. Well, he continued, I'm sure you and I can do something about that. I'm prepared to give £10 million to help provide clean water for hundreds of thousands of people in Africa, if you can guarantee me that I'll be knighted in in the New Year's Honours list. If not, I'll just spend it on myself. He slapped the PM on the back and said, think it over, and slipped back into the crowd. The Prime Minister knew this was a kind of bribe, but could it really be wrong to sell one of his country's highest honours when the reward would be so obviously for the good? Is, basically, the question we're asking is, is bribery, even for good purposes, ever right? Oliver, our master of morals. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll let I'll let Mitzi I'll let Mitzi say no. I'll say no. I'll just say no. Interesting. I'd have to say no because who decides what's for good purposes? Well, would would you clearly argue this is for a benefit? I would, but where does it stop? If we say so, this is a good purpose, right? I agree. But I mean, in this, we'll, we'll talk about this instance. In this, in this instance, I'd say that what what the guy giving the money, it'd, it'd be used for something good. Yep. However, I still can't I still can't see that that is a morally good action the money you know i just something about that does not sit right with me <laughs> well, i suppose it, it depends if you take almost a utilitarian view as you want to look at the 
greatest positive outcome for the greatest number of people. And here, I'd say, in this instance, I think it would be right. I come out and say that I think it would be right because hundreds of thousands of people in Africa get access to clean water. If again, I think that's a dangerous narrative, but we'll come on to that. But get access to clean water, and that man just gets three three letters in front of his name. I don't think it's that bad of a payoff to ensure that Africa gets free water. I think it's almost again we may be very bulk and we may think actually it's best to have really black and white morals, but nothing I think is black and white in life. And I think here. Yes, everything is arguably morally questionable. I think the moral aspects here are actually quite good. Would you would you disagree? I don't like utilitarianism, so. <laughs> Why not? Because it leads to tyranny of the majority. Mm. Is that a bad thing? It is because that means that forty nine percent population can be tortured as long as fifty one percent are happy, and I I couldn't live in a society where that's going on. Interesting. Uh, I'd agree there. But then, couldn't you just say, well, if you don't like what's happening, leave? If they could, then sure. But I still think that a society in which we advocate for... Right, OK, for some reason, we are in the majority this week. Therefore, we will do whatever we like to you guys. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think that that completely ignores any kind of individual right. But what on earth would you put there? Because, if, if, for example, you may decide, yes, these are the individual rights which someone needs... That person might, again, 51% agrees that they're the rights, 49% agree and think they shouldn't have those rights. Where do we sit? How do we decide? Like, we can't some sort of cosmic overlord saying, here are the right things. Well, you do, you've got. But now we don't in a almost more atheist society. We don't, we don't follow those. And you can't say here we're ascribing these moral principles to everyone. Again, even you could argue uh, rule of God is, is the rule of the majority. Um, but it's, I think it's the best system we have currently bar that of a benevolent dictator i think it's the best system we have to almost protect the rights of the majority because it works for the majority of people and again the majority I... they think they, they may not think right but i think it's something we have to respect uh personally because i can't see until another scenario comes around or another set of ruling or another set of operating comes around which i can see is a better aspect than the rule of majority i'm not convinced I mean, I I subscribe to sort of um, Aristotelian virtue ethics, which is the, uh, at the most basic level, the idea that um, nearly all acts, sort of bar killing people, have um, a golden mean. So they have a, a point at which you're probably doing quite a good job. And that golden mean is different for different situations. So um, sort of the golden mean of being angry. Um, if I've been, have had all my stuff stolen, I'm allowed to be quite angry. If someone steps on my foot, I'm allowed to be less angry. I'd argue that if we all sort of subscribe to, right, we generally will try and use our practical wisdom, which he calls phrenesis, to come to the right outcome. If we will just try in any situation to judge what we personally should do and come to a good place where we're not really hurting anybody, we're not really damaging anything, then I'd say that on the whole, we'd be doing quite well. But, so you're saying each individual should judge for themselves. Yeah, I think But so. if I judge it's morally right for me to go over there and hit Oliver on the head with my bottom. Well, that's not the golden mean. What's Oliver done to you? But I believe it's morally right. Oliver has sat there and that has angered me. Okay. Mm. I, I would argue that sort of 
Oh, it's, it's quite it's quite a long kind of it, 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 nine books worth. But, but I think I think the the issue take with that is it really just again I could sympathise with it. I think it's good to have the individual decide. But it comes down to what moral codes do we all decide? What am I decide is morally we should do, or I think is the right decision. I think Oliver looking at me, I could find offensive, and I think that justifies me doing this. It seems very extreme, but it's only because we have the Western view where the majority, the tyranny of the majority, has implemented us with the moral values that we should hold that we could then pursue with what we believe is morally right or wrong. I suppose so, but I mean, to be honest, the, the way I see it, I think that ultimately, if we start to suggest that because... The, let's, let's say that tomorrow we wake up and it's the woke people who are this 51 Yeah. Right, we wake up, right, and we are all going to be put in jail because we have very, very naughty opinions. Yeah. Right? That can't possibly be moral. Likewise, I can't go tonight and go, you know what, I'm going to put all of the transgender... We don't think it's moral, but they do. They think we're being so offensive that we must be locked up. So I mean that any kind of objective morality just dissipates oh, to whoever's in charge? Well, I, I, I believe slightly it must, because... It's very hard to ascribe morality. Morality, is, we could spend because an hours probably discussing mm. is anything moral or not moral, and that's that's a, it's a very it's a very hard issue to discuss because we're coming from a viewpoint where I don't I don't personally believe, for example, morals are ingrained from us, and they're not they're not innate to us as humans. No, I, I, would argue I, no, I believe morals are taught, and you can teach anyone a moral, uh, but I yes. think that probably. I know. Is is it moral to continue this podcast? Is probably what Oliver is thinking now. Itching, itching feet, and you know, yes, because he needs to get off. Uh, But yes, I think it's it's a very interesting discussion, and you know, we might have it back on to discuss a a morality podcast. Turn this into a philosophy show. Yes, get 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 rid get rid of the politics. I think oh, we've managed to stifle Oliver for another week on his favourite. Uh, issue of Manx politics. He's managed to be stifled on it uh, because he ran out of time. Yes, we did indeed. Um, once again, the Political Rebel podcast rambles on and on and on. But it's great in, in a great sense. But we can always on this podcast um, carry on with what we're discussing. Um, but unfortunately, time time is running out and busy schedule for me this afternoon. Um, but yes, you can contact us uh, at politibabble at gmail.com if you'd like to be a guest. Uh, or check out all our podcasts on manxradio.com forward slash podcast forward, forward slash politibabble or on uh, all the podcast providers. So that leaves me without further ado to say you've been Babble.